Welcome to the podcast, Career Connections with the HR Insider, where we teach you how to stay, flow, or go in your career with your host, Barbara Mason, bringing you 20 years of the inside scoop and what really matters in your career. Our passion is helping you find yours. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Career Connections with the HR Insider. And today's topic is one that's been on my mind and heart for quite some time. And you know how you have things on your to-do list and it sits there and it sits there and it sits there, but I felt really compelled to go ahead and do it. Um, and today I'm talking about being a black executive in corporate America, right? So it is Black History Month um, by the time this will air. And after Black History Month will be Women's History Month. So I thought the title, excuse me, the topic would be very fitting for both of those. Um, and so for those that are new to me and don't know my story, um, I want to just share a little bit about my journey in my career being a black female in corporate America. And as I progressed into leadership, being an executive and what that looked like and felt like for me. And so let me just say at the outlay um, of why I want to talk about this. So I will tell you now, I don't know that I have any solutions. Um, I'm really just sharing my experience for two reasons. One, um, if I have a listener that is a black female working in corporate America, which I know that I do, I want you to know that you're not crazy. I want you to hopefully find pieces that you resonate with where you can find comfort or just validation, right? Um, the other thing, if I have someone listening that is not black or African-American, um, I hope that this episode will cause you to just be aware and to think about another person's story. Right. And so I don't want to come across as being negative or being overly, um, critical, but I'm simply sharing my experiences in the most real way that I know how to do. And I will tell you that this is something that I don't know that I would have done if I was still working in corporate America. And certainly I would not be this transparent, right? So um, I'll just say that as a disclaimer um, in the beginning, and I purposely did not script this out. Usually with my podcast episodes, I have a little bit more scripting and kind of have a flow of where I'm going to go. And as I started to do that for this, I just stopped because I really want to just talk from my heart. And so it may not have the usual flow and structure that you're used to on my podcast. I just want to invite you into a conversation and really just share my thoughts on what it felt like to be a black female in corporate um, America. And so I want to start with what I just said about if I was still in corporate America, would I have done this podcast episode? And I don't know that I would have, but I can assure you that if I would have, the my choice of words that I'm going to use today or the transparency and the rawness certainly would not have been there. And so that's like where I want to start, right? Because why is that so? Quite frankly, I'll just be honest. I would have not I would not have felt comfortable being this transparent and this real while still working in corporate America for fear of someone hearing it and me being labeled as a troublemaker at work, 
me being um, considered to be critical or um, all of those other adjectives that come along, um, you know exactly what I mean. And so that's a real problem, right? Um, but that is the truth of the matter. That That's without any sugarcoating. That's without any uh, putting sweet flowers on it. That's the truth, right? I would not have felt comfortable to do it. And I think that that says a lot. Um, and one of the things for those that are new to me, just to hear my story, um, I spent 20 years in corporate America. I worked for a Fortune 500 company, so relatively all big companies of a very large size, right? And out of those 20 years, 15 years of those was in leadership. So I spent the bulk of my career in a leadership role. Um, and as I ended my career, um, kind of like from, I would say from the middle of my career to the end, I worked primarily, of course, with white male executives, right? So that's who I supported, CEOs and COOs and things of that nature. And I would not have felt comfortable to do that then. But now that I have left corporate America, I left corporate America about 18 months ago and I'm my own boss. And so there's no fear, right? There is, um, well, I, I would say that I did think about, well, well, what if somebody hears this from a business standpoint and decides to not do business with me, right? Um, and so that thought did cross my mind, but here I am anyway, right? Because this is my truth. This is my story. And this is what I experienced. And no one can tell that story but me, right? And so if there's any point of discomfort in listening to this, then I, I don't know what to say except let there be discomfort. Um, so one of the things that comes to mind um, in being a black female in corporate America and then being, you know, in the leadership um, and executive ranks was that a lot of times um, it felt really exhausting, right? I use the word exhausting because you always, I always felt like I had to be on. I felt like I did not and was not able to bring myself fully to work, right? Like they could not see Barbara at full strength. I had to bring Barbara at like 50%, you know, capacity at work, right? For fear that something I said or something that I did or a look that I gave or something that I wore was going to be taken the wrong way, right? And so I have so many memories of this, you know, playing out. Even something as simple as going on trips with other leaders or other people on the team and you're the only minority and it comes down to okay picking the song on the radio in the car right the song choice that I would have picked was going to be much different than what they picked right but I'm the only one and so even in those small moments that felt uncomfortable right um I remember um you know going to dinners you know so I went to a lot of dinners um at really nice and fancy restaurants and my upbringing um like I didn't know how to be behave. And when I say behave, like I didn't know the proper etiquette when I first started off in my career, right? Because that's not something that I was taught. Um, and again, no shame to my single mother who raised me to be a great person, but that's just something that I had no awareness of at all, right? And so I remember being at a dinner, one of my very first ones, and I had a white male executive sitting to the left and well, they were all around me. Let me just say that. But the one to my left in particular, 
um, he made a comment and he said, Barbara, um, you, you know, you're supposed to pass the bread to the left, right? And I remember in that moment saying something sarcastic in a joking way, but I remember that that comment stung, like it stung a lot because I felt so out of place. I felt like, wow, okay, the bread goes to the left. I'm like, well, who made that rule, right? Um, but I mean, what do you do in a situation like that? Um, I remember going on trips, deep sea fishing. I had never in my life deep sea fished. I had never in my life golfed. I had never in my life done the um, clay shooting, right? All the stuff that, again, was not part of my culture, was not part of my upbringing, but yet I was put in situations where I had to be present, right? And some of those things I enjoyed, like I actually enjoyed the clay shooting once I got the hang of it, right? But can you imagine everybody else being around you and they know how to do it. They know the different gauges of guns. They know the landscape. They know what's going to come first, second, and third. And you're there like, I'm not even sure what they're talking about, right? So... I use the word exhausting because it was always work every day, not just the work that I had to get done, <clears throat> you know, what they were paying me for to do the HR stuff, but it was the work of how to fit in, how to not be such an oddball, how to not come across as unintelligent, how to not um, know what they were talking about, right? So that was double work. So I was always working overtime. Right. So that's one of the first things that comes to mind is that it just felt exhausting after a while. Like I felt like there's so much I don't know and there's so much that's expected. And it wasn't again, think, think, for example, when you start a new job, there's a lot to learn. Right. No matter what you do. But it's not that kind of exhaustion like, oh, I got to learn a new job because people know that you're new. And so they give you grace and they give you time to. Um, what's the word? They give you time to adjust and acclimate to your new environment, right? That's different. What I mean by this is not knowing what to do, but yet there is an expectation that you do know how to do it. And there is judgment when you don't do it the right way. That's a whole different ball game. And that's what made it exhausting. There was expectations and judgments when I did not get it right, right? So, that was very tough being a black woman in corporate America, right? Um, as I go through and I think about, well, what are other adjectives to describe? Um, I would say it felt lonely. Um, there were many moments, that's the best word I can give you, is that it felt really lonely because there were, you know, in, I would say in most of my jobs, there were other. Um, black leaders, very, very few um, spread out. So you feel like you're the token black person in whatever organization or department that you're in. But um, it would feel lonely because there was not a group of us, right? Um, there were groups of non, um, you know, of white men. There were groups of white women, but there were no groups of black leaders, right? And when I say groups, I mean, you know, let's 10, 10 or more, right? And so 95%, 97% of the, 
of every meeting, of every dinner, of every function, of every retreat, of every banquet, I was the only one there that looked like me. And so it felt very lonely. And so going back to my first point of exhausting, imagine you're always the new kid, but you're not the new kid, right? And so I've met people before that have come from military families. So they're used to moving around. And so they'll say like, you know, I've always been the new kid. So they can kind of roll with the punches and adjust and adapt, right? This is on a whole different level, right? You're always the one that is different. There is never another sister or brother that looks like you that can understand your colloquialisms or, or to be able to speak in a way. Yeah, that code switching, like that's real. That is real life. Right. There is a work barber and then there was a non-work barber. I couldn't bring my non-work barber to work and feel safe. So that was also how it felt. It felt lonely. Because sometimes, a lot of times, I was the only one. Um, other things that come to mind for me is that there was a lot of pressure. And I mean that because there were so many minorities, so many um, people that came to me and was so excited when I was in those leadership positions. They would come to me. I had people come to me and say, hey, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, man, is that what we're leading with? Which, hey, I'll take all the prayer I can get, right? I am a woman um, of faith and I do want the prayer. But it's interesting that they would lead with that. I had many people come and say, we are so proud of you. We are so glad we have you in that spot. Thank you for making us look good. What can we do for you? That was the language, right? So people that were, that looked like me, that were not in those positions, really looked up to the fact that I was in those roles and counted on me to try to make change where I could. They counted on me to be the voice that they couldn't be. They counted on me to be their advocate when they were not in the room. And I tried every single day to do just that. But man, that was a lot of pressure. And I don't mean it in a negative way. I'm just telling you the raw feeling when I think back to that time. Sometimes I felt a lot of pressure to get it right, to represent um, other black females in a very positive way. I felt like sometimes I was carrying the black African-American name on my shoulder, right? For everybody. And I was just one person. So it felt like a lot of pressure to be able to do that. So I've talked about that it felt exhausting, right? I've talked about it felt lonely. I've talked about there was a lot of pressure. And so I want to talk about some of the things that I am grateful for, even though it was very uncomfortable. And that's that it made me stronger. I had to get strength that I didn't even know I was capable 
of having. I had to master my poker face. I had to master the everything is fine face when inside I really wanted to weep like a little girl and cry when I was overlooked or I didn't get positions that I knew that I was the most qualified for. And so it made me stronger. It made me more determined to show that yes, I am supposed to be here. Yes, I am capable. Yes, I can do this job with the best of them. And so yes, I worked my butt off. I showed up early and I stayed late. I worked weekends. I took the assignments that nobody wanted. I took the projects that were big to prove points day in and day out. I was able to get to a point to be confident in my own ability, regardless of what their accolades said or did not say, whether I got the promotion or not, whether I got the extra money or not, whether I was treated the same or not, it made me stronger to where I had to have a real close, intimate, several conversations with myself and remind myself of who I was. Because I went through a period of time where it tore me down on the inside. I was confused as to what my skills were. I was confused and unclear about, did I really have the talent that I thought I had? It started to play mind tricks with me where I thought, well, maybe I'm just not that good. Maybe I'm not as good as the next person. Maybe. So all the things, right? All the imposter syndrome things that happened to us. I remember for a few years, I was in a very, very, very bad spot. And it's almost like I had to be shaken and jolted to say, wake up. This is not who you are. And so for the sake of brevity, I'll just say that I went through a process where I had to kind of reclaim who I was. I had to stand in my own truth. I had to know who I was outside of my job, outside of the job that I did for the paycheck. And that took some time. But on the other side of it, I'm a stronger person. And now that I've been in business for the last three years, a lot of the no's and a lot of the rejections and a lot of the side looks and a lot of the, you know, um, microaggressions or the things that were said to me in corporate America, as I'm in business now, I encounter certain individuals or certain things. I, it's like water off a duck's back. It doesn't even phase me, Right. Because now I'm in a position, I choose who I work with. And I don't work with anybody who will disturb my peace. Versus my peace was disturbed all the time in corporate America. I shouldn't say all the time. A lot of the time. I'll just say that a lot of the time. And so I've talked about there were some really, really, really bad moments being a black executive in corporate America. Many bad moments. But on the other side, it made me stronger. On the other side, I was grateful 
that I was able to get to those levels. I was grateful for the people that I was able to help. I was grateful for the people that I stood up for and means and said, no, that's not right. She should get paid the same thing as him. No, that's not right. He interviewed just as well as the other one did. Let's talk about why we really want to hire the next person. I'm grateful that I was able at the end to stand in my own truth and to speak truth to power. I'm grateful that I was able to make a choice for me out of courage to say, I know what I'm worth. I know what I can do and I'm about to go do it. I'm grateful. Those tough times are all part of my career story today. And it's all part of me being successful in business to this point. So like I said, I don't have solutions. This is not a, hey, if you're white, do these five things. I don't have that list. But if you are, I want you to be aware of how your black counterparts feel at work or how they could be feeling. This is my experience. But I venture to say that there are people that can resonate with this. There are people that are saying amen right now as they're listening to this. There are people that are high-fiving on this. This is my experience, but sadly, it is a lot of people's experience. Be aware of your environment. Be aware of the things that you say and that you don't say. That's what I would say if you're someone that is not a minority that is listening to this. If you are one of my black sisters or a person of color, minority, African-American, I hope you feel validated. I want you to be encouraged. Always stand in your truth, whatever that is for you. Do not be defined by the job that you have or the job that you don't get. Don't be defined by what you know and what you don't know. There are things that I think about, even in some of the examples that I gave you, about, you know, the bread goes to the left, you know, now on the other side, you know, you know, five, six years older, I'm thinking, well, I could have said this, right? I didn't say that then, you know, and I didn't feel so great about it then, right? It chipped away slowly a piece of me because the bread example was just one of many examples that happened on the regular. There were so many things that I didn't know from a cultural standpoint because it wasn't my culture. I didn't grow up deep sea fishing, right? There, I don't make any apologies about that. I didn't grow up clay shooting. Not my story. But me not having that experience, me not having that knowledge, me not having that aptitude even does not define me. And I will tell you, it doesn't define you. Is there a game to play in corporate America? Absolutely. There is a game. And if you want to be in it, you got to know the game and you got to play to win. 
But for me, it got to a point to where it was good until it wasn't good. And I decided to opt out of the game. And now on the other side, I'm grateful for the experiences that I had. And I'm grateful that now I have the ability to say what I want, when I want, how I want, and speak my truth. I think about would I want anything to be different? Would I have wanted anything to be different? And I don't know that I can give a good answer for that because I think that all things work out the way that they should. And the Bible says that all things work together for the good, right? And so all of those experiences have contributed somehow to how I feel, what I experience, how I move about even today. I simply just wanted to share my experience and what that was like. We have come a ways, but we has, we still have so far to go. If you are in corporate America still, and if you are black, know that you do have a responsibility to stand up and be great. You have a responsibility to help those around you that look like you. That was one of the things as I near the end, let me talk about that. That was one of the things that was very frustrating is to work with other people that look like you, but they don't know that they look like you. That refuse to help other black people, refuse to speak up on their behalf. That was frustrating. Sometimes it made me downright angry because I'm like, you have a responsibility. That's my belief. That's what I believe. And that's why every day I tried my best to represent, to stand up, to call a spade a spade and to say what was right. Even sometimes at the expense of my own career. Why? Because that was the right thing to do. And I didn't take where I was lightly. I really, really, really feel like when you are in those roles, you have a responsibility. You're not just there for yourself. So I hope that this helps someone in some form or fashion. I hope that you found validation. I hope that you found encouragement. I hope that you even found awareness depending on what side of the fence you're sitting on. Let's all do our part. We each have a responsibility to influence where we are. Even though I'm no longer in corporate America, I am in business and I still have the ability to influence where I am in the clients that I meet with, in the clients that I choose to work with and in the clients that I don't choose to work with, to educate, to make them aware, to be myself, to be authentic. And so I would ask that you do the same. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me on this episode. If this was helpful, I want you to let me know. Because I haven't done one like this. And so I want you to send me an email. Or if you follow me on social media, you know, and all the places where I am, send me a note and let me know 
what you thought about this podcast and what if it resonated with you. I would love to know. Until next time, you know what to do. Expect greater. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of Career Connections. You can find us at www.careerpathwaysconsulting.com or on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter under Career Pathways Consulting. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, don't be satisfied with the status quo in your career and life. Expect greater because life is too short to do anything different. See you next time.